Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the, the show. show. Alex, I do the intro. I know you do, but you do the same thing every single time, so I thought I'd join in. And do like a creepy yeah. intro duet? Really, I was trying to teach you a lesson that you should switch it up for next time. I don't know. I think there's some value in repetition with podcasts. It gives listeners a like an expected feeling, some comfort perhaps. Maybe they like the intro. I don't know. Maybe. It's an assumption. <sighs> you know what they say about assumptions. Makes an ass out of you and me. Shouldn't do that. Um, this is episode 84. I had I'm to cut coming the... at you with an attitude today. Yes. Lots of lip, seems like. <laughs> Lots of lip. Four in total. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that was a bad joke. I know it's bad. Like we're trying to keep this. The more listeners, the better. And so, if our podcast is rated R, I mean, it could be four lips. The, like it's you and me. We each have yeah. two. So really, it's eight. <laughs> so if you read into that, oh, Alex, <laughs> I was giving. I was gonna put it on the listener for like reading too much into your dirty joke but you just put it right out there for everybody really letting it air out yeah anyways uh yeah episode 84 cut the intro out on the last one because i said it was episode 82 but it wasn't it was episode 83 shameless plug for our holiday habits challenge the lookout challenge which starts friday november 25th um if you haven't signed up, sign up. There is a free option. There's a, an option where you can click $0. That's fine. Um, there are also options for, yeah, $5 all the way up to like your entire savings account. So really, whatever you feel like giving, it's very appreciated. It is going to the looking Five, out. Even $5 makes a difference. It does. So, and I do see who puts 0 she judges. I do see the names <laughs> come through with $0 next to them. Yeah. Um, no judgment. Not everyone is in a financial situation to donate, but it is very much appreciated. Yeah. So the proceeds are going to the Looking Out Foundation uh, to amplify their mission and their outreach. It's a really cool organization founded by Brandy Carlisle. Not that we're fans. <laughs> okay. We're huge fans. Um, but we, we had to pick a, a charity because we don't have our own charity uh yet but um yeah i decided to go with that one this year it's gonna be really fun it's four weeks um basically starts friday november 25th ends thursday december 22nd four different themes there's a nutrition week there's a a fitness week there's a grounding week and then the last week is a giving week and so each week um the first day is going to start with one behavior the second day has two behaviors and you basically add on a behavior every day for seven days and then it resets the following week. But you bring one to two behaviors from previous weeks with you. So like week four, you'll be doing the week four activities plus between like three and six of the, the daily tasks. Yeah, and they're not week. like time-consuming things. It's like... It's like drink a glass of yeah. water first thing I was going to say it's like brush your teeth, but it's... You should be brushing your teeth. That's not part of the challenge. No, we're not. This is not a dental challenge. <laughs> this is a. This is not a personal hygiene hey, challenge. I mean, brushing your teeth is part of your lifestyle. A lot of people say they want nutrition to be easy, like brushing my, you know, brushing my teeth, 
And you have to start somewhere with that. So yeah, we're starting I with remember, a glass of water. But the thing is, is when you're learning as a kid, your parents remind you a lot to brush your teeth. They do. And you like, have to be very mindful and intentional about that habit. Yeah, you do. And you might try to like get around it, but they're there to be like, no, no, brush your, brush your damn teeth, which is basically like, you know, a nutrition coach. Um, I used to be a, like, I was a kid who would get like sick and not like a cold. I would get strep throat a lot. But I used to throw up a lot. Like I'd get these really, really bad headaches that would turn into migraines and I would throw up. That's and I was also that kid that all. kid that would like throw up and cry at the same time. <laughs> like I can never just throw up. I had to be crying. <laughs> Did you? Okay. I was so volatile that I cried. I have a really important question about which that. Which made it more volatile. Did Which one came first? The vomiting or the crying? I definitely would cry while I had a headache and, and like a migraine. Huh. Yeah. They were brutal. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it would, they would always, I was always, I would always start getting the headache in the afternoon and then it would morph into the migraine and then I would throw up at night. Oh. And that's when you have, and so oh, I would, yeah. my mom would be like, well, can you just brush your teeth? Again. The acid. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're enamel <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is enamel? <laughs> I just want to go back to bed. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit about enamel mom. Also, brushing your teeth right after puking or right after eating is the worst. Yeah. There's like chunks in there. You're like, I don't want this in my toothbrush. Yeah. I'm going to throw this toothbrush away. It's just like, it's one of those things though. And it's like, you know, what happens when you brush your teeth one time? Nothing. But it's the lifelong habit of brushing your teeth that prevents dental issues. It prevents gingivitis. It prevents you from potentially having to have dentures. So it's a good... It's a good habit and, and lifestyle and nutrition can be a lot like that too. But the difference is a lot of folks, you know, as kids, you don't learn anything about nutrition or lifestyle because it wouldn't be appropriate to teach a kid necessarily some of the stuff that you have to work on as adults. But then as an adult, you're expected to just kind of be an expert in everything regarding your life and your health. So you can feel kind of silly needing to work so hard to build basic habits. But there's nothing silly about that. Imagine having to learn to b build a habit of brushing your teeth and that started at like 25. How many people <laughs> wouldn't be brushing their teeth right now? Lots. If that habit wasn't built as a kid. Yeah. What are some other habits that you still have from childhood? Uh, I, that's a great question. You have to have at least one. Um, I don't know. What about you? Well, I mean, it's not a good habit, but I still bite my nails. <laughs> so, but that's something I picked up as a, a kid. And the thing is, like, I was scolded. I, they said, don't bite your nails, but I still did it. I wasn't scolded hard enough. I think there's a correlation between some, like, some ADHD nail biting. But anyways, that's not a good habit. But I do have that habit. And it's very ingrained. But... Let's bring this back to the habits challenge. Uh, a, a lot of people who did it last year uh, have told me that they still do like the lemon water in the morning or they retain some of the stuff, the habits that they, they set forth in that challenge. And so um, it's exciting this year because we, we are bringing some of those uh, habits and behaviors back. Uh, but we're, we're also adding in some new ones that we haven't really done before, like specifically in the, the third and the fourth week. Um, the, the third week is going to 
involve some grounding behaviors that are a little bit new. And then the, the fourth week is really new. And that's sort of a, a service week, which uh, we've never done any kind of a service outreach week before. So I think it's going to be really fun. And I hope if you're listening and you haven't signed up yet that, uh, that you do, because, you know, whether you do every single behavior every single day, or you pick, you know, one to three that you do every week, there's something in this challenge for everybody. So sign up. That's my pitch. All right, Alex, what are we talking about today? Okay. The other day, Meredith and I were sitting in the hot tub, I believe, and I was saying to her, you know what's weird is I I don't remember the last day I, I had a bad day of training. I don't... And then it made me think, well, I don't really qualify my days as good or bad anymore, my training sessions. Yeah. I don't walk out being like, oh, I, that was a bad day, or I had a bad day in the gym, or a good day even. It's just, I had a, it was a good workout. Like, I enjoyed it. I made time for it. Yeah. I completed everything. I didn't get injured because I'm over 30. That can happen. <laughs> you know, that's a good day. It's like getting through it, enjoying myself. Yeah. Whereas in, when in CrossFit, when I was competing, it was very easy for me to, to label the days after the fact. Or like even during, it's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Or even going into the gym with expectation. Oh, I don't feel well. I'm tired. I feel weird today. I'm really hungry. I'm probably going to not have a good day. Or getting really nervous because, you know, you have to max out your snatch or something. Yeah. And so then it kind of um, made us think about some other aspects of our life that's changed in the last few years. And so we thought it would be fun to, uh, to do a podcast on life after CrossFit. And that's the title of this podcast, Life After CrossFit. And before we get into it, this is kind of, this is like our experience. There are a lot of people who compete in CrossFit, uh, you know, at a, of a number of different levels, recreational all the way up to uh, professional, and they get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's very fulfilling for them. So this is not to take anything away from people who do find enjoyment in competing in CrossFit. I would say for a long time we did too. Um, I think that life has seasons and we're kind of both in a season now. Um, you know how we got here. I, I don't know that it's like one specific change, but, uh, yeah, and I would, I would call personally this a more gentle season in my life for myself. Um, doesn't mean I'm getting soft, but yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to discuss that. But I did want to put that disclaimer out there and just say like, this is not to say that our, our truth or our experience is the experience and the way that everyone should think or operate, but it may speak to people who find themselves struggling in, uh, one or more ways to, to find enjoyment in competition or in sport or find that they're putting a lot of pressure on what they're doing every day. So Yeah, and that can relate to your career path, what you're doing for school, relationships. I think seasons of life is very a, a very broad, all-encompassing phrase. Yeah. So while we're speaking about CrossFit specifically, it does apply to other areas of our life and probably applies to other areas of your life, the listener. Dear listener. Yep. Um, so to let's go back to your point about having good days and bad days in, in training. 
I also feel that too. But what is really special for me is that I don't just have distinct bad days. Like I have days where maybe like things aren't really clicking or, you know, I don't hit numbers that are, I don't know, good. What is even good? But I don't put any like weight on those. It's just like, it's a day in the gym. It's a thing that I do. And then I move on. But I still have good days in the gym. And those days are always a really pleasant surprise. And like where you maybe just, you're like, oh, wow. Like I hit that number. Yeah. Do you ever have good days in the gym that aren't about lifting? Like they're cardio based or like you did it, you crushed a workout? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the, like last week I hit a 180 pound snatch, which has never been a daily number for me. And, you know, it, I don't know that, uh, I can't look back on my training and be like, yes, I was working up to a 108. It was just the day, but it was awesome. Like it was a reminder, like, okay, not dead yet. (laughs) But yeah, I have days where I just feel like things click easier. I'm like in a flow, you know, some, the combination of movements is good. Um, yeah. And I I can be like, Hey, that was a, a great day in the gym, but I don't put any pressure on it. Yeah. Come to think of it, I have those days too where I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. I hit all those bar muscle ups unbroken today or wow, like I was really, felt really good on my handstand pushups or more more skill stuff and then running I have like good days and bad days. Maybe like paces are just feeling a little bit easier. I just feel a little bit better mentally. It doesn't seem as much like much of a grind, but the strength, not as good. Like with the running the amount of running I'm doing and the longer I'm doing it, I'm like working to maintain my strength. So I'm kind of doing like the bare minimum to maintain. Yeah. But the top numbers aren't there. And so for instance, today I I back squatted for two and I hit 220 and like maybe on a good day, two years ago, I would have been able to hit 250. But there wasn't that like, yeah, I know that in my mind, but it was like today I hit 225. Yeah. That's what the number is today. Yeah. And that's all there is. Yes. It's like that. It felt like 250 would have felt two years ago. And that's enough for me today. That's what I am training. Like your goals change, whatever, but there's just, there's no emotion tied to it. Yeah. Yeah. I go back and forth on, uh, you know, I think that the, sometimes the most dangerous phrase in the human, the human language is good enough. Like I think that, good enough. I think that leads people to settle a lot and not try hard, you know, but at the same time, there are are days and periods in your life where you have to be okay that good enough is good enough. And I think now, especially with your running volume, a 225 pound back squat is good enough. Yeah. You have to be happy with that because if you, you know, if you are running 70 kilometers a week and also have the expectation that um, your squat is 250, 260, 270. That's going to be massively disappointing. But I, it, I don't want to drudge up core values every single time or that pie where you have all of the things in your life. But if you're saying nothing is good enough in any part of your life, you're going to run yourself ragged. You have to, and it, this kind of goes to the seasons in life. You have to, you're going to put more focus on certain things in your life, which makes the other things kind of like 
okay, that's going to just stay where it is. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put this amount of time, this amount of attention, this amount of emotional and mental energy towards it. And that's good enough because it allows me to do other things. If I'm not okay with a 220 pound back squat and I'm like, really bummed out about it. I'm like, I got to focus on strength. Well, you know what? That's going to take away from running or maybe it doesn't. It's going to take away from other things in my life. Yeah. Like, I don't know, being a happy person, <laughs> my job, like feeling good during the day. Cause I'm not crushing myself in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. And then also wondering if the effort that you're putting in is good enough. Mm-hmm, I think that's like, um, yeah, that's, that's a big, problem I think when uh when I was really obsessed with getting better at CrossFit and I was you know I wanted to be the best that I could be in the sport I enjoyed it I would I would have a good time in the gym I would train my ass off I would put in time energy but in the back of my mind it was always like is what I'm doing good enough are other people doing more what are other people doing? Like all you ever see is people crushing it. I don't think I would even ask what other people were doing. I would just assume everyone was beating me. Yeah. And there were certain people that I would judge myself based on, which is weird because we wouldn't even be doing the same workouts. Certain people on Instagram, people I had maybe competed against in the past, like friends of mine, you. So I remember doing workouts in the middle of workouts. And I guess thinking back, this was motivating to push harder in the moment when I'm training by myself, but I would think to myself, oh, if so-and-so were beside me, what would where, where would they be at in this workout? How much farther ahead would they be? Whereas today I do workouts, I'm like, this is where I'm at. Where's my effort? Is it high? Okay, good. Keep yeah. going at this rate. Like push, mm, are, you, are you, like there's something in the back of your head that's like, hey, could you be pushing a little harder? Are you slacking a <laughs> little bit? And you know when you are. Yeah. It's like, all right, you can pick that barbell up. Come on, Alex. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know you're not trying to make it to the CrossFit Games, but like push yourself a little. Yeah. You know where that limit is for you, but yes. it's not like, oh, if so-and-so were here, there's not that comparison. You don't finish a workout and think, oh man, you know, I got to go on Instagram and see what other people are doing. Like, what would I get in that workout? Or I'm going to try that workout and see if I can beat their time. Like, yeah, none of that. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it can be a really negative place. And then, then especially training by yourself because you can just get into these weird sort of mental places like you're talking about. Um, but I think when you're, when you're competitive and this is probably the same for most athletes, um, we're just speaking to CrossFit because it's the most <laughs> relevant, but I think you're always assessing what you're doing. Like it's just constantly under the microscope and you know, now it's, I care, but I also need my brain to work as soon as I'm done the workout. So it's, and it's like not the thing that I'm competing in. So going 85% sort of a hundred percent on certain pieces, it's like, yeah, it's good enough for today. And it makes like, I feel fine later in the day. But I think like the most important thing is that it's just like training doesn't live under the microscope anymore. That constant comparison, the thing about CrossFit too. And I I think that comparison can be a good thing. Sometimes I think that competitiveness and especially in young people, um, can be good. But when I think back to youth sports and the sports that I played, you know, I was a, I was a swimmer. And I was compared to what I saw people do with my own eyeballs at meets. 
in my community. And that was the the scope of comparison in my life as a teenager. And I think that's a good thing. It's like the right amount of comparison, the right amount of competition. But now think about think about these teenagers doing CrossFit or any CrossFit athlete who or even people who don't compete. Yeah. It just do CrossFit. Like you are comparing not only against people in your community, but against every single person that you follow who also does CrossFit. Like it's the scale of comparison now is an, is orders of magnitude more than what I would say is like normal for healthy uh, development, number one, and then also just like mental health. Like it's it's very unusual for an entire community of athletes at all levels to be able to just like compare. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about how social media is toxic in that way, can be. Yeah, but even yeah, yeah. I, I guess for the sake of of drawing the analogy between like youth sports and CrossFit the sport, like the scale of comparison is just inappropriate. I think how is it like, how do you, how do you not develop some insecurities as an athlete? Unless you're just like winning everything. I don't know. Maybe there are some people who have an easier time with that, but. Sorry. What's the difference between the youth sport and CrossFit sport now? It's not social media. It's social media as a tool for, competition and comparison among among your peers oh like competing in the open yes okay yeah yeah like you're never swimming against every single person in the (laughs) entire world as a youth athlete but every year the open rolls around and people just get this like massive anxiety like well what if my percentile goes down yeah you know what if i'm not as good and it's like so what like maybe there's more people who are doing crossfit now maybe there's more people who signed up for the open yeah. Like maybe the workouts just didn't come out in your favor. That's another thing is, is CrossFit, it's, it's measurable, but it's, it's not. Well, it's, it's like, for example, when you are running 10 kilometers, there is, there are benchmarks that you, you know, you're capable of hitting if you train or just generally, you know what your times are in swimming. I'm not a swimmer, but I imagine it's the same. It's yeah. like, this is my 100 meter breaststroke. That's where I'm at. It's this far off the world record. I am trying to get faster. But you have a really good understanding of kind of like where you are in relation to your peers or in the world even. With CrossFit, you will never have that. Well, no. Ever. Yeah. Because the workouts are always different. Well, and you're, so they're always different. And your basis for comparison, when it comes down to it in the open, is other people. Yeah. Like CrossFit is a, Really you have other a, people and and random workouts. Yeah. How the hell, <laughs> excuse my language, do you, I, I, I cannot stand when people say, my goal is to get into the top 200 or my, you know, I, I, I feel like I should have done better. Based on what? Yeah. Like, based on what? Like moving targets. Yeah. And it's like, again, like, because the and also part of the moving target is how well other people do like crossfit as a sport is a zero sum game like your success depends on another person's loss like that's 
at a competitive level, that's, that's what it is. And I guess that's like, that's all sports, but in CrossFit, it's, it's, it's hard because the metric, the end metric isn't as measurable or as standardized as say a a marathon or, um, you know, swimming a certain distance or an Ironman where maybe, I don't think anyone who, who does an Ironman race says, I want to come top 100 in this race. They probably say, I want to do this in under 11 hours. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the very, very top of endurance sports, Ironman, marathon running, ultra running, even like there, there's racing happening. There is racing, but that's at the very top, like, far beyond what most people are actually doing. Yeah, but they're not shooting for PRs anymore. No, they're, they're trying like, to... They're racing against other people, like and their train. result is going to depend on who else is in the race, oftentimes. Yeah, but they're also, I think, well aware and in tune with the fact that, you know, in endurance sports, especially <clears throat> especially ultra-endurance sports, there's a lot of luck involved. You have to have the right conditions for the athlete. Like, there's so much that can go wrong with your body that's kind of out of your control. Um, you know, you can prepare as best as possible, but, you know, sometimes weird stuff happens the longer the duration is. And um, I think that that endurance athletes are well in tuned with, with that reality, uh, you know, versus CrossFit athletes are uh, maybe a little more inclined to think that they can power through certain things or overcome the reality that other people are involved. But... Yeah, it's when I, mean, I, I still hear people say like the, an open workout will come out and they'll be like, I'm, I'm shooting for sub 10. And I'm like, based on what? Have you done this workout before? <laughs> well, no, but my friend got uh, 11 minutes. So I think I can do 10. Are you serious? <laughs> I guess if that's motivating, that's a good thing. But like you have to take that with a, like a grain of salt yeah. when you get your result. Like when you've pushed your hardest yeah um like it's 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 tricky because in, i think crossfit's awesome for a, a person who wants to get more fit stronger faster it's great because it's it's class-based so you just show up and you have it's coach-led you have another per, like other people around you have a community and you will slowly see improvements. Yeah. You will see like, oh, okay, today I did a pull-up or you know, usually in workouts I have to scale this, but I didn't have to. Or maybe you do a benchmark workout and you get five minutes faster than you did the previous year. But it is difficult because each week there's probably going to be something in the programming where you feel defeated, Yeah, that you don't get better or you, you feel you got last in the workout or you were unable to complete the workout or you had to do it scaled. Yeah. That's what's, it's tough with CrossFit. It, it messes with people mentally and emotionally, but that's also a blessing in disguise because it forces you to be like, that's okay. It's something to work on for next time. Or yeah. I had a, I didn't have a great day in the gym today. Why is that? And stay curious. I think it's, it's really healthy to have that, but it can, it can also be unhealthy if you, take the comparison or you really get down on yourself. Yeah. Or you expect, like, I think a lot of people run into like, they think that others have an expectation of them to perform at a certain level. So when they don't, it's like, Oh, well, what are people going to think? Like no one cares. Actually, no one cares, especially in CrossFit because everyone is so caught up with themselves that they don't have time (laughs) to care about you. I have never once. And I'm, 
It's funny because when somebody walks into a gym and they see me in a class, the first thing they, they think, and they've told me this, like, oh, Alex in the class, don't watch. And I'm like, trust me, I am not looking at you. Yeah. Even though like I've been to the CrossFit Games, if I go to a CrossFit class, I'm I am doing it. That class. I am just <laughs> there to do the workout as fast as I can. Yeah. I don't care who's watching. I don't care what other people are doing. I am not watching you. I don't know how much weight you have on the bar. I don't know when you're taking breaks. Yeah. But it's again, and I've been there. I've been that like, new oh, person where it's look. like, oh, this is embarrassing. I'm really bad at snatching. What if like, you know, Chelsea sees me? Yeah. Chelsea is not watching. No, she doesn't <laughs> care. If she does happen to look over at you, like, I don't even think a thought's going to register. Yeah. She's just probably checking to make sure she's winning and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's... But that's a really good point and probably a good takeaway for people who go to classes and are concerned about what other people think of them, especially new people to CrossFit. You get that a lot. Yeah, you get a lot. of, And this is like, I mean, you can take it all the way back. Like people say, well, I'm not fit enough to start CrossFit or, you know, I'm, I don't work out enough or whatever. Like CrossFit is just exercise. Like that's yeah. all it is. And like fun, like fundamentally to make progress, whether you are a, a novice beginner or an intermediate looking to break through into like the advanced athlete or advanced looking to go to the games. Like you have to park your ego. Like otherwise you're going to be so like mentally caught up with the process that you're, you're not actually going to be able to like try hard enough to make the next, the next leap. Yeah. I think, but, that's but it, it has opinion. been weird for us going back to that. How much lighter working out is like, emotionally emotionally yeah yeah it's and like i'm enjoying it again yeah (laughs) i think there was a time there when it uh, every workout was so important to me that i i i just i would like get mad in sessions for no reason like i could be doing well in a workout and i would just be kind of ticked off but i i think i was just putting so much pressure on myself and what my goals were and again, what I th- thought, I mean, after I went to the games, there was all that pressure of like, well, people are expecting you to go to be- like, go back. Like, again, no one cares. No one cares. Someone might ask the question like, oh, are you competing again? And like, as an athlete, I think you read into that, like, well, they expect me to qualify, but they're just asking the question. That's it. Um, but it's like, it's so nice to be able to actually just like enjoy working out. Just go through a workout and be like, man, that was really enjoyable. It was hard. I still push myself. But, you know, it's the only purpose for it is because I enjoyed doing it and it is my preferred way to exercise. And then with running, like probably for, I'll speak for you, it's like there's less pressure there. It's just you out there running in the cold, sometimes with Rue. <laughs> yeah, I took Rue today. Short work, sh- Short run. Yeah, we already got comments, people who are like, oh, you better be careful with running with your puppy. I'm like, trust me, we did the research. We talked to the vet. She can handle a few kilometers. Yeah, I'm like, you got, you spend a day with Rue and you tell me if she's not good <laughs> yeah. for three kilometers. <laughs> yeah. With days of rest in between. Yeah. Yeah, she's good for it. The other day we went for a hike with her. It was six kilometers. And with the amount of back and forth that she did, there's no way she came in any less than like 10. Yeah. Like no no chance. Like that dog did 10 kilometers that day. But anyways, back to the topic for me, like I'm back to swimming now and it's, it's the same. Like I'm doing it for me, not trying to win anything. It's just like, it's, it's becoming more of a, I guess a practice is how I would put that 
kind of like a yoga practice. It's a movement practice. And that's the same for the gym workouts too. Um, just a, a daily meditative practice. And it's nice. Um, let's move on and talk about how your body image has changed since being done with CrossFit. And again, being done, I'll qualify this. We still work out and do CrossFit class, like based workouts. We don't do classes. We do once in a while. If we're like dropping in at a random gym, we do functional fitness. Yeah. And when we talk about CrossFit, I think functional fitness counts. Like if you're not going to a CrossFit class, you're doing personal programming or something like that. It's, it's still, it's still, it still counts. Yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I used to, I used to feel like I had to take videos all the time. And then the, the, like the mental conversation I would have with myself was like, well, what am I wearing? Is it like, do I look good enough to video? What's my hair doing? Should I take my shirt off? Should I leave my shirt on? What's my belly look like today? You know, am I looking lean? Um, what's the lighting like? Do I have a good tan? I know. You know, like all of that runs through your head because you feel like number one, you have to share what you're doing. And then because you have to share what you're doing, you have to not only be doing a good job, but you have to look good doing it. And, uh, so there's just a lot of like nitpicking on a physical level. Like I, I would not say that I was ever like narcissistic, but, um, I was pretty, pretty like obsessed with appearance there for a while. Not like, I mean, there are some people who are way more obsessed with appearance than I was. I would say concerned, concerned, very aware. Yeah. Um, yes. Like the number, like photos that would go up on Instagram because it was all about CrossFit. It was like, well, yeah, what, what, are, what are my abs doing today? Like, yep. Partially because it, it's not that we made money on CrossFit, but we, we both had sponsors. Yep. And like the more likes, the more followers you get, the more money you make. Like, and these are for people, I didn't, there was only one year where I wasn't making money in like, I, graduated from university I took a year off and then I started making money yeah. so for the majority of my time doing CrossFit I didn't need to make money from social media it was only one year really well I don't think that it's it's money even it's attention yeah like the early days of uh and it's a totally different game now but the early days of Instagram uh and we've talked about this before like CrossFit came up during the Instagram boom like 20 13 to 2017 kind of like when was peak peak Instagram time where the CrossFit games was getting huge. And if they shared like one picture of you, it was like, boom, 50,000 followers. And so I think that there was a lot of clamoring for that type of attention, especially on, on the, the female side. And at the time, I mean, I have my theories about why, uh, yeah, why certain aesthetics were valued over others from, like a CrossFit Games media standpoint, but you saw a lot of the like really small booty shorts, like, you know, never, ever a top, um, you know, a very specific type of aesthetic was becoming popular and celebrated in CrossFit versus, um, and this is going to be a tangent and I don't care versus now, um, just watch rogue invitational or even, um, the last two games at the last two years at the games where, you know, noble has taken over the uniforms and you see a lot more women wearing, the lot like the biker shorts like hello they're way more comfortable to work out in than booty shorts 
And you saw that at Rogue um, even more so because there's not the control over the uniforms that you're seeing, you know, less revealing clothing on the women's side. And I think because we've moved into a time where performance is being celebrated just as much as, if not more than like an aesthetic. So you're seeing like <laughs> the, you know, baggy t- t-shirts are coming back and there's just, there's less skin visible. Um, Even on the men's side, I, I would argue the same. Yeah. I think people are, they're like, I want to perform and I want to wear what's comfortable to perform. And that's great. And, and those performances are what's being like celebrated and put out. And I think that's awesome. So that's, that's a shift. That's why do you think that is? (laughs) Why do I, you want me to tell you my hypothesis? Um, this is a, a total speculation, but I'll just like, I'll say it. Um, there was a different set of people involved at CrossFit media for that kind of peak time, really since CrossFit's inception, uh, the games started, what, 2008 or something? Um, and like Savan and his crew were involved with CrossFit Games Media, a lot of the CrossFit Journal stuff. And I think that, like, you can tell Savan's just like kind of obsessed with appearances. And that's on the, the men's side. Like, it's he gets a lot of flack for being kind of a, a creepy dude to women, which he is. But like, he says some creepy shit about men too. And I think he's just very, very obsessed with um, this specific like aesthetic of CrossFit games athletes. And, you know, because he's the guy that's in charge of who's making it on, you know, the, the main site, uh, who's making the picture there, who's, you know, getting filmed, who's getting photographed, you know, what's going on the accounts. I think that there was some motivation to be and look a certain way because people like that were the ones in charge of, basically creating celebrities. Yeah, and I don't think it was just Savan. I think it was an, a general. Yeah, and that's, I don't, like I'm saying Savan, I don't know any other people. I, no one else has been as bit, like big of a figure, but. Um, well, the buttery bros. Yeah, but I don't think they were as involved on that. They were more the documentary people. Yeah. But who knows, they could have been. So, um, but anyways, I guess the old media team, I'll just generalize and say that. And you totally, like, you just go back and look at the games media from like 2015. It's just asses everywhere. White booty shorts, asses. That's all you see. And like, great. I love like asses as much as the next person, <laughs> but they're not the only thing that needs to be celebrated when it comes to athletic performance, specifically like female athletic performance. So, uh, but back to us, because that's what people are here to <laughs> hear about. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, number one, don't really care what I wear to work out. I, I wear what's comfortable. doesn't match a lot of the time, but I like never really think about my body anymore. It's like, I think about what I'm doing with it. Um, how it's doing in the gym, you know, do I feel good? Do I feel achy? Like most days I feel good. I'm never sick, which is a good thing. Knock on wood. Um, dogs up Bruce like someone's at the door I'll get it gotta go get it (laughs) yeah I just I don't it's not a big concern for me anymore and that's not like oh I'm just giving up like I'm retiring I'm going soft like I just like doing a lot of the things I've done for years I just am less critical of myself yeah I think part of it for me is when I train by myself in my gym or out running I used to get a lot of people commenting on my body or I used to post more without a shirt on and that drived a lot of comments drove um, drove 
derived. Oh, I thought you said drive. No, derived I'm a so lot of sorry. comments. It's yeah. okay. Carry on. Um, and so I was just more hyper aware. I'm like, oh man, people are commenting on how big my arms are looking. And I would see myself in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, I don't want them to get smaller. They do look nice. Like it just puts these little things in your head. And just the other day, again, because I've been running more, I'm, I actually asked Meredith because I was looking at my arms. And I'm like, oh, I haven't, are my arms getting smaller? Like I'm just wondering because it had been so long since I actually like assessed them, kind of assessed my body. <laughs> like what is my body looking like? Has it changed? Because yeah. I'm just, I'm, I don't have time for that anymore. I'm yeah. just, I do my workout. It feels good. I'm seeing improvements where I want to see them. Like I'm doing it for the reasons I want to be doing it. And it's like, I don't, it does not matter what my body looks like. No. What's crazy too, is we used to both get comments from other high level, like games type athletes on our bodies and like, Oh, I just, I would kill for this part of your body, you know, arms, abs, butt, legs, traps, back, like other like elite athletes being like, Oh, I want your back. Like what get, what did you just say? Yeah. I went somewhere the other day and they were like, Oh, you're looking leaner from all the running. And I just kind of was like, why? You know? Yeah. Just like, like, don't. What if you'd been, what if you had been sick? And yeah. Like, no one knows about it. And they're like, Oh, you're looking lean, but it's because you've been sick. And I think because I'm not in a gym, I'm not, people just don't anymore. They just don't comment. I don't provide opportunities for people to comment because I'm not around them or yeah. at least people who care about my body as much as pe- maybe people in the gym. Um, but it was, just, it was weird to hear that. It was like, oh yeah, it kind of like brought me back. You're like, like, I didn't like that. Yeah. I don't like being aware of how people perceive my body. Yeah. Like don't loop me in that you're like, that you're assessing my appearance. And like, maybe they're not necessarily assessing, but they're I don't know. It's tough to say it, but I think people probably understand where I'm coming from. It's just, it's been nice. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's nice. I don't really know how else to articulate. You just don't have that thing. I know. I know. It's like, I just have a body and it does what I need. And I'm still very aware of like my weight for performance purposes. I spoke about that on the last podcast but again, it's, it's really about performance. It's how I'm feeling. And I do track my food intermittently, but again, it's performance-based. It's to make sure I'm feeling good. I tend to undereat if I'm working or whatever. So it's, there's nothing that's kind of driven by aesthetics. aesthetics. And I never trained for aesthetics, but it was always in the back of my head. Yeah. For different reasons, kind of like you, you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I'm trying to think of another sport and to be honest, I I think that aesthetics remain relevant in, um, women's sports specifically. I think that it's just like something that are, it's like in the front of athletes minds, which is unfortunate because there's this thing like, you know, you have to be world-class at your sport, but you also have to have a certain look to get endorsements. And there are plenty of athletes who are not at the top of their sport who have more lucrative endorsements than athletes who are better because of the way they look. And like, that's just marketing. It's fine. Um, a side note, someone I heard recently, um, on a podcast, uh, I can't remember <clears throat> which one it was, but basically these two guys, it's not Australian CrossFit podcast. I can't remember the name of it, but they said that the reason why CrossFit had, is losing interest and has gone downhill their words is because Matt Fraser is not like the male standard for 
he doesn't meet the like essentially male beauty standards. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I've been wondering because it seems like no one cares as much about CrossFit as they used to. Yeah. However, I understand that that perception might be biased because I just don't care as much as I used to because I'm not as part of the community. So I don't actually know if it feels like CrossFit's going downhill. It feels like fewer people are interested, but it might just be the, the people I'm surrounding myself with just aren't CrossFitters. I'll say, I think what's happening, I think the sport is getting bigger. I think the affiliates involvement in the sport is getting smaller. So I think the the gap in in between the community and the elite athletes is widening. What do you mean the sport's getting bigger? There's more money, <coughs> there's more athletes. There's more money, there's more athletes, there's more talent. Um like it's harder. I don't know that it's getting it's not proportionally big to like it there should be more money in it. Um based on the amount of time and effort and energy and um marketing that goes into it but that's a conversation for another time but it used to be and I think part of this again our perception sort of harkening back to like the golden years of CrossFit when games athletes were born from affiliate communities like um you know had kind of a grassroots homegrown when regionals would come around you know the athlete the regionals qualified athlete would go and then their whole gym community would go with them and support them um you know, and that really happened until 2019. And then obviously those changes affected that. But I think even more impactful than that, you see um, when Matt Fraser and Tia came up in the sport, neither one of them really were affiliated with a gym. Like it was, they were doing their own programming. Yes, uh, they were, they both were at Mayhem and got kicked out. And then they sort of split and, you know, they were in, affiliates but they weren't i thought matt was an affiliate in vermont or he was in weightlifting yeah and then but he wasn't an affiliate but they weren't like when rich was competing it was mayhem 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 like it was just so much about his affiliate and even annie reykjavik like yeah that's a good point like the big name athletes were also tied to these big affiliates and so they maintained the grassroots and like yeah of course they have to be an affiliate because like that's you have to be affiliated to do the open and not video but it wasn't like Tia was, you know, promoting or pumping up or getting people from like East Nashville CrossFit excited. Like, I don't know that Matt really had that impact on Champlain Valley or wherever the gym was that he came from. I think there were, it was just so much about them and less about the community that that sort of, that, that. And that's certainly the case with a lot of the up and comers. It's, I don't think a lot of them are actually, I mean, okay, let's just take, for example, Emma Lawson is Canadian and I'm like, well, I don't know what gym she's from. I know most of the Canadian gyms. Yep. Where is she from? I don't even know. I just know she's really good. Yeah. Did she even do classes? Do did any of the teenagers ever do classes? Uh, no, probably not. So I can see I can see that. Going back to Matt Fraser not meeting beauty standards, that's very interesting. Yeah. I thought so too. I think it's like it's kind of a harsh assessment. I don't have an opinion on whether or not that's true. But it's certainly like you see Rich Froning, who is this sort of like Adonis looking, you know, and he's like an Ultraman hunter dude from Tennessee. Like he's the macho man and he has an amazing aesthetic. And, you know, he was kind of the he kind of built CrossFit, I think. 
And then you have Matt. And that, like, I don't think Matt's I don't a bad know. I look guy. at Matt. I'm <laughs> like, he looks like a pretty like manly man. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't assess men's appearance. Like I don't really, assess I mean, objectively, but. I think everyone can, I guess what it was interesting is that somebody that there's an, I never thought that a male aesthetic could have that much of an impact on a sport. Yeah. That's, I'm surprised to hear that more female I could see. Cause that's generally been more. Yeah. Like glorified. Yeah. The, the, the look of the top athletes. Uh huh. So that's interesting for me to hear as is. Yeah. I wa- it, I do I don't know how you would even assess that. I don't know. The what's what's the most interesting is if CrossFit at any time was ever tied to an aesthetic like which I'm sure that it was because I'm sure people see pictures of Rich Froning and they're like, "Well, I'm going to go sign up for CrossFit because I want to look like that." You know, notwithstanding the fact that people tend to look the way they do because of their genetics and less about their rich is very good looking though. Yeah, he is. He's a good looking man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always has been. Um, anyways, so moving on to the next, um, this one is an interesting one because I tend to look at some athletes and wonder to myself, why are they still competing? Yeah. And I, I just, again, that's my values. I'm putting them on somebody else. Everyone has different values. But I think there are a number of athletes out there in every sport or even in career paths. And they do it because it's, it's just who they are. Yeah. It's, it's their identity. And I think if the option of like leaving that the sport, a career. It's like, what, what, what are they? And you see this a lot. You hear this a lot with Olympic athletes. I think it's a little bit more public when they leave the sport. They're very lost. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, they've been a, I mean, look at Michael Phelps. He's been a swimmer. He's known as this Olympic athlete swimmer for so many years. Like like the best swimmer ever. What else is he? Yeah. And I think that's really difficult for athletes. And I think CrossFit is that it's for a lot of people. It's like you've, you've identified so much. Your identity is tied into your social media. When you quit the sport, where, what are you, what do you even do? Yeah. And I think the difference like Olympic you know, and Michael Phelps is, is the best that there ever was. And he struggles with that. So how does someone who, you know, who doesn't have that number of medals feel? And I think it's a really common thing. I don't even think it's, it's about success. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think that it's, it's a bit more, uh, transcendent than that, but the, there's more people in like coming out of the Olympic sports right now who are willing to like to talk about it and be open. There's some, you know, some nonprofits that have popped up to support athletes, mental health. I think having someone like, um, like Michael Phelps himself be so involved with organizations like that and say like, Hey, it's okay uh, to struggle and to not be okay. It's, you know, there's no stigma. There's no shame in that because there's like, there's been Olympic athletes who they, you know, they commit suicide. Like they cannot cope 
with losing that part of their identity. And I guess, you know, what I would like to see maybe long-term in the CrossFit space is more openness about, you know, the struggle of, of transitioning out and or in the sport, you never or in the sport. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say you never, because maybe people out there have, I have never, I'm actually thinking about it. I have never had a, a seen a CrossFit games athlete talk about a mental health issue. Con Porter has, he's the only one that I, I can I don't, recall. I don't actually follow him because he was kind of getting weird on social media yeah. for me. But he did, he talked about his sort of battle with mental health issues, but maybe not as a result of the sport, but he, he's the only one I can recall ever talking. Like you do about see it. athletes say, I'm going to take this year off. I'm going to, or people retire, but you just, it's like, they just kind of disappear. Yeah. It's never like, Hey, how, how are you? Like, how are you doing? But I, I mean, CrossFit is intense. Yeah. It's intense for all the things we just talked about and no one out there is having a problem with it. I mean, you struggled, excuse me, after the games. Yeah. And like, I think you're, you're open about that on, on our podcast and stuff. And maybe it's just cause it's a small podcast or you're just a, like not a very well-known athlete that maybe it's wasn't enough to like encourage others. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know where I'm reaches. going with this, but it's like, it's, it's odd that you just don't see that. And I also think, and not to get, I don't want to seem like we're just analyzing CrossFit, but it's kind of old school. It's got that old school mentality. I mean, look at, you know, Savant's still part of the picture or Savant's still part of the picture. You saw what happened when, um, who's the, the Eric Rosa. Eric Rosa got shit on for coming out and saying that he had depression. anxiety and depression and was taking time away. Yeah. I mean, you have Savant basically saying like accusing someone of, you know, who has a mental health problem, which like one in four people do of being mentally disabled. And those are his words. Yeah. So like they're, they're, he's still a voice in the space and there are still, you know, he represents a large percentage of the people in the space. And so you still, you know, you have people like that and it, it's a scary, scary place to be open and, and worried about receiving that type of feedback and having someone say something like that to you. Because if you are struggling with a mental health problem, depression, anxiety, anything and you have someone like that say oh you're mentally disabled how's that gonna feel is that gonna like is that gonna be good no it's not and so your your options are you you put it out there and you run that risk or you keep it to yourself so people keep it to, to themselves yeah yeah and i just i think it's unfortunate but then again i'm also not in the position to be like oh hey you should you know be out with out with it because i understand that there could be back backlash on your income, your following, all of that stuff. Yeah. But it's it's hard to it's it's hard to look at and be like, this is good. This is good for the sport. Yeah. This is good for the up and coming athletes. That's as an great. outsider, again, as somebody who's moved on from CrossFit. Yep. Um, for from my perspective, for me, I think I was lucky because I not necessarily lucky, but I never put all my eggs in the CrossFit basket. And maybe that's why I was never good enough to make it back to the games, but I just, I had this other, I have always had a more um, diverse identity. Yeah. I've, I've always been like academic, but also athletic. I pursue sports, but I pursue, pursue career path. I'm a business owner or I'm a lawyer and I also do CrossFit or I ski race. It's like, there's never just one 
thing and there's never, ever been one thing. And that's been my, I've been very acutely aware of that since I uh, was a kid. Yeah. Um, And so like, I never left CrossFit and had to struggle with that. I don't know what it's like. It was almost for me a, a relief. It was like, okay, I don't, yeah, it just kind of naturally transitioned. It was like, now I can just kind of do what I want on my social media. And if like I was losing followers, I didn't care. I know. And I was losing followers. Like people are like, I don't care that you are Mer- got called Meredith's son. I'm here <laughs> to see you topless. Yeah. Shirtless. Yes. And people were like, this is not, I'm what am I, she has short hair now. I'm out of here. Is that a boy? <laughs> She's transitioning. But actually, and it's like, I don't care. No, I know. And I guess that's like, you know, we had it, we did a talk, uh, last weekend at a CrossFit gym and I joked and I said, I went to the CrossFit games one time, but that's, you know, the least interesting thing about me, but I actually kind of believe that like, it's a cool thing I did one time, but it's like, as far as the things that I've done in my life and the things that I plan to do, like that's just a blip on the radar. I think it's still interesting because so few people do it and a lot of people know about it. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, it doesn't, I don't think it really, for me at least, going to the CrossFit Games isn't this like mark in history that changed me as a person. It's just kind of like, oh, I went to the Games. That was really fun. I had a cool experience. I can talk about it. I have a floor mat with my name (laughs) on it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not like this thing that is who I was. Yeah. Or am. Yes. I was looking at that floor mat today because it's in the gym. It's in the garage in Fernie. And I was like, man, they really, they really knew how to play on people's like narcissistic tendencies because I really wanted that floor mat. Why though? Like, what are you going to do with a giant, you know, eight foot long mat with your name on it? Like you, it's just this thing thing you have to tote around. Annoying. Yeah. It's so, I look at it and I was just like, ah, it's so silly. Like it's sitting there with a bunch of dumbbells all over. It's dirty. (laughs) (laughs) I had mine basically at the end of the game. So like, you got to go back to like where they keep all the extra equipment and go pick yours up. Yeah. And it's like, you're exhausted. You're sore. The sorest you've ever been in your entire life. You're carrying this unruly (laughs) back. Yours is at the bottom. I'm like, how? I can't even pick this thing up. Yeah. My hands are torn to shreds. Everything hurts. I can't bend over. And now you have to carry this thing back to like wherever you're staying at the hotel. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, Love that for me. But anyways, I'm sure a lot of people out there are like, can't believe you're complaining about having a games format. They're like, I want a games format. I would, I do think if I, if I made it for the first time in 2019, when they went to the, like the banners over the pylons, like they don't, they did away with the, the floor mats after 2018. I'd have been kind of bummed, but you know, narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies. I still have all of my clothes with my name on it. <laughs> like, I know. Do I don't know what stuff? you're doing with that. I'm like, can we throw this in the garbage slash donate it? I gave a lot of my stuff away. Maybe I'll just start giving it away. Might do that. It's like no one cares anymore, though. If no. you had given it away in 2018, people would have been stoked. I know. It's like Reebok stuff. People have moved on. I'm to sure, Noble. you know, pe- there might be somebody out there. Yeah. You might have that one fan. Maybe. Maybe that one fan is still around, Maybe. kicking around. They're like, <laughs> if this. you're out there. Meredith is giving away her old games stuff. I used to get notes from the woman who bought my games bike for her son, the the track bike that we rode, because it still has our it has my sticker on it. So that was cool. I still have my orange 
lifters and my orange cleats. The cleats are really cool. If you Those guys, like if anybody cleats. out there wants some orange lifters, let me know. Like Legacy, Reebok, not the like the big heel, like the Reebok, the lifters that are also trainers. Yeah. They're actually, actually awesome. Very functional. Yeah. I used when to you get like a box jump workout with a lifting workout, you can box jump with them. That happened in the open once. So I was like, I still have my shoes. Yeah. Early Reebok sh- like footwear for CrossFit was like unprecedented. Yeah. Agreed. So great. Um, <sighs> okay. Moving on from identity, which like, again, we didn't necessarily struggle with, which is kind of a good thing. We just kind of like our identity just kind of like transitioned over to prioritizing being business owners or regular people who didn't spend five hours a day in the gym. Normals. Um, the last thing to touch on is community and how that's changed since we've left the competitive space. I can start. Yeah. Um, when Meredith and I left, it was, it was like, where, who, who are our friends? <laughs> we don't, we kind of were like, well, we don't have any friends. Yeah. When even for our wedding, we're thinking we have a lot of friends. We have the, all these friends from CrossFit. And then we started thinking, well, for starters, none of them live in Calgary. Yeah. They're strewn around the world. And how many of them, and maybe this is just us, but there weren't a ton that were like, are they like wedding friends? They're yeah. just kind of like friends that, yeah, I could talk to them for hours and I've done all these things with them and I've been on teams with them and I did Ragnar with them and it, it was <laughs> great and we, so many things in common and I talked to them on social media, but are they like friends or is it just because you you have this thing that's so big in your life in common? And now that we're not doing that, it's kind of like we're just in different places than those people. It felt like to me. Like they're still friends. I would consider them friends. Like I would, you know, Margot and stuff. We went to go visit her once. She's still a friend. If we were in ever, wherever she's living now, Vegas, we would would hang out. But yeah, there's, there's not that. It's not that you find a new community. Yeah. It's again, it's like I, I, one of my clients was telling me that she knew of this man who retired and he felt like he had all these friends and then he retired and he realized he didn't actually have friends. He just had coworkers. And that was really a sad realization for, for him. Yeah. And now that I'm out of CrossFit and I'm making friends who mountain bike or just in Calgary or, you know, clients who transition to becoming my friends, it's totally, it's a totally different type of relationship. And yeah. it's nice. I think so. You, you still have different things in common, but it's not this obsession over CrossFit. It's not this like frenemy too yeah I it's like, say, oh, like we'll be friends tonight but tomorrow we're competing against each other yeah and every there's always in the crossfit friendships there's always this like underlying tension of competitiveness and i don't know if that's because that's actually real or just because crossfit selects for kind of competitive people but there's there's always that like you're always kind of sizing each other up subconsciously um that's not me projecting that actually happens but yeah, I, I completely agree. It's been nice to build some new friendships, uh, even with people who I would consider friends before, um, you know, getting to, to really become friends now is great. I love it. Yeah. I was having more like mental energy for other people, I would say. Yeah. I, um, and, and just old, like CrossFit friends 
connecting with them on a different level, like a more like life level. It's like, what is actually going on in your life? I do not care what your Fran time is. Yeah, I don't. Or what your macros <clears throat> are. Don't care. Um, but I would say on the last note of life after CrossFit is how our relationship has changed. Uh, yeah, I mean, that same underlying competitive tension is gone. I think just like you have more emotional energy for people. Like the other day when you snatched 180, I was actually happy for you. Instead of being like, screw you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I'm laughing, but it's not a joke. Like you really shouldn't be using your partner as like a measuring stick, but it's hard not to when you're competitive with them. And that's not just same sex couples. I think that happens in uh, heterosexual relationships as well. And that's not just CrossFit. I mean, I think if you were running, I would f feel the same. I am a naturally very competitive person, and so are you. But it's allowed us to find different things to focus on. Yeah. And support each other in those endeavors without feeling like you have to beat the other person. I read something online the other day, and it, was perta it pertained to running, but it also would hold true for CrossFit or any other physical endeavor and it's it said your body doesn't know mileage it only knows stress and so i think you know when you consider stress as a, a large um it takes up a large amount of energy to manage it i think when your your stress is quite high from training you just don't have emotional energy or the right energy for your partners all the time um, especially I would, when the part of the stress comes from the comparison and then the nerves and the anxiety and the unknown and that kind of thing. I would argue that that is holds true for work. Yeah. I think that's a big pa factor in, in people's relationships. We feel it sometimes. Yeah. It's like when we start like feel like arguing or feeling like disconnected or it's like, Hey, we haven't spent any actual quality time together. And it's like, Oh yeah, it's cause work's been really busy. Yeah. Or we'll be like, how come you don't love me anymore? And it's like, I do. I just, I you don't know. say that. You say that. Do you even love me? And I'm like, Alex, we haven't looked up from our computers in four days. You can't ask me that question. If love, love should be, triumph over hard work if you really loved me it wouldn't matter <laughs> just so outrageous like what have you done for me to show you you love me and i'm like uh. that's not how it works which is literally what you say you do you you show me attention i don't show you attention it's so funny i'm sure this is like a pretty common thing in relationships we won't unload on you guys but yeah um, well, thanks for hanging in there. If you made it this far, send us a balloon emoji on the next, uh, check-in. If you're a client, feel free to send it to our other coaches as well. It'll be like, what's this balloon? It'll be like, well, it's for the podcast that you haven't listened One to. One of yet. my clients did send a blowfish and randomly she was like, you guys are too hard on yourself. And then sent a blowfish. And I was like, was this meant for me? I totally forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, this one episode is a, a balloon the red balloon emoji. So thank you for listening. Um, it means a lot. Appreciate it. If you have any suggestions or want to hear us discuss uh, anything specific on the podcast, send us a DM or an email. We do have a list. Um, there's been a couple people who have made some requests. And if, if you have, we have it. We're working on it. Um, it sounds like we might switch our podcast production over to a professional maybe around the new year. So we'll see how that changes things. But yeah, it really means a lot. And um, I'm going to shameless plug it again because it really means a lot to me. 
please sign up for a holiday challenge. It's going to be great. There's not as much social media going on with it this year. You don't have to post every day. It's just we want you to do it. We want you to donate if you can. We want to connect with you as members of our community. And, um, yeah, just get you feeling good and grounded and right and healthy and happy during a time of year where it can be really easy to to uh, ignore your physical and emotional needs. So sign up. I think you're going to like it. Alex, anything else? I'm signing up. That was a great plug. Awesome. So glad it worked. Till next time. Meredith, Alex, Ivy, and Rue out. <laughs>